Welcome to TV7 Israel's podcast. We invite you to listen and share our latest content from Israel and the region. Shalom and welcome to Editor's Note. I'm Yair Pinto, and together with me as always is TV7 Israel Editor-in-Chief Jonathan Hessen. How are you doing? Praise the Lord, doing well. Good, good. And uh, this is a very exciting week. Lots of changing going on uh, in Israel. Last week we had uh, the Israeli elections on Tuesday. So we have a lot to discuss. Of course, the Middle East and the region is also not stopping for this election. So I'm sure we'll discuss uh, plenty of topics. But I think that as we always call on our uh, viewers and extended family all around the world to pray for their leaders, we should do we should do so now in this show. So I would like to ask our viewers and everybody back at home that is part of the TV7 community to join me in prayer for the leadership in Israel. Avinu shabashamayim, toda lecha leyom hazeh, toda lecha shata b'shlita, toda lecha hazeh shata b'met madrich v'movid et akol. Our Father in Heaven, thank you for this day. Thank you that you are in control, that you are leading everything and that you have a plan. We like to pray for wisdom, for wisdom for our leaders, our earthly leaders here in Israel. We pray that you will speak to them, that you will guide them to do your will and really pray that you will speak to their hearts, that they will see you. We pray that you will bless uh, this new Israeli elections and the people that were elected and that you will bless the people of Israel and the people of the world. We pray that you will bless uh, the TV7 community, that you will really uh, provide for us, that we will be able to continue and do what we do and even grow. We want to grow. We believe that everything that you are part of should grow. And please bless us, bless the family of TV7 Israel and all who support us in prayer and in finance. B'Shem Yeshua HaMashiach. Amen. Amen. Well, Jonathan, uh, where do we start? Well, uh, not from the beginning. From the end, <laughs> good. Uh, no, actually, uh, you know, we are living in a period of many changes, of many um, consequential implications. Yeah. And... As you mentioned, last week on Tuesday, uh, the Israeli electorate, which includes 6.7, uh, roughly a bit more, a uh, million Israeli citizens. Okay. Jews, Arabs, Druze, Christians, all um, Israeli citizens above the age of 18 who are eligible to vote. Mm-hmm. And uh, they made their voice heard. Uh, and... Uh, as such, we see a transition, an expected transition. Mm-hmm. Of course, we live in a society which uh, uh, has a system called uh, a parliamentary democracy, very similar to the United Kingdom, where we need to choose a party. And then, of course, each party has a party head, the, the usually not the last elections, yeah. but uh, this elections, hopefully, the largest uh, party, uh, the leader of the largest party, uh, will manage to create a coalition. Mm-hmm. And 
will provide Jerusalem which, with much needed stability. Yeah, hopefully. Looks and like the party blocks are pretty close. They're uh, relatively close. Um, I, I must say that the higher voting count, the higher turnout of voters uh, benefited the larger parties. Mm -hmm. And uh, the, the parties in the midsection, uh, which, uh, of course, came at the expense of the smaller parties. So uh, the more people vote in order to reach the 3.25% electoral threshold, uh, which automatically, if you pass that, you get four mandates, and then from there it mm -hmm. starts accumulating. It ultimately um, brings a lot of those parties on just, you know, the brink of passing or the brink of failure. Mm -hmm. And then the moment one party passes, everything changes, you yes. know. And then if suddenly a party fails to pass, everything changes again. So nothing is <laughs> closed until everything Every is counted. Every vote is counted, yeah, definitely. And then there are going to be disputes, and, you know, you know as there are already plenty. Yeah, even after the, the votes are counted, there will be negotiations because no party has a majority in Israel, so there has to be these coalitions together, and then... There has never been a parliamentary majority in the history of Israel, meaning that in order to attain... Mm -hmm. uh, a government coalition within Israel's 120-seat parliament, um, you need more than 61. Uh -huh. Okay, more than 60, basically. Yeah, more 61 than 61 is yeah. uh, the minimum. And, you know, even though, for instance, Netanyahu's Likud party managed to secure 30 mandates, give or take, you know, for the last consecutive elections, uh, it's still not a majority. Yeah. So in order to find your allies uh, and communicate with them on what you're willing to give them in return for their support, in order to establish a minority government, uh, it means that much of your promises and pledges to your voters are not necessarily upheld, uh, at, obviously for the sake of establishing those minority coalitions. Yeah, definitely. Uh, a 61 majority ultimately uh, is not a stable coalition. People need to understand that it basically means that all you need is one or two people who are angry with you yeah. from a group of 61 to uh, cause the government to fail. Mm -hmm. uh, of course, there are consequences to that. and Usually these things don't happen, um, but ultimately... Uh, Israel still is in a situation where uh, we need a lot of prayer to understand uh, where things are heading to. Um, I personally have mixed feelings about the current government. Uh, I must confess, even though I believe that Netanyahu is uh, as determined a leader should be, uh, he is a leader. Uh, compared to others uh, who have vied for that position. Um, and while he wants to translate that leadership into uh, specific, you know, policy-driven um, uh, realities, he is then, of course, reliant on smaller parties, smaller factions, that do not necessarily converge with his um, ideologies, with his uh, proclaimed intentions. 
uh, and uh, in in the expected upcoming government, even though I do think that Netanyahu will try to find an alternative uh, unity government with potentially guns or one of the centrist um, parties that converge a lot more with Likud than, for instance, the Judaism power, Otsmayudit, yeah. of Ben Gvir, uh, uh, in my opinion, <coughs> excuse me, a despicable man uh, who has um, been actively, uh, and I'm not talking about his opinions towards uh, the, the even the Palestinians, okay, where he's been very vocal. And of course, when you're in the opposition, you act differently yeah. than the coalition. Time will tell what's going to happen. But uh, this man has been representing terrorists, mm-hmm. uh, Jewish terrorists who burnt churches, who attacked um, uh, congregations and mm-hmm. uh, has been doing so pridefully, yeah. you know, uh, a sort of a soul, uh, you know, who... Uh, was persecuting Christians, and then ultimately God revealed uh, himself to Saul. So who knows? Yeah, yeah. Um, we can pray for we, him. We definitely. need to pray. We, we don't, of course we can, but we <laughs> should pray for him, and we should pray for all of mm-hmm. um, humanity, for that matter, all of uh, the people in leadership who we disagree with, who seek to persecute us personally. Um, nevertheless, uh, time will tell. It's too early yeah. And this is something that I need to emphasize to everybody watching us. It is too early to truly determine where things are heading from here. Mm-hmm. Is Netanyahu going to be a prime minister? Yes. Is he going to accept to every demand? No. Are the other partners to this potential coalition going to agree to him saying no? We'll see. Yeah. Let's see. Definitely. Something that is universal. Once people taste what power actually is, they're very, very reluctant of abandoning their post. Mm -hmm. So uh, these individuals who are playing um, a role, and uh, again, you know, I I may not agree with everything uh, that Smotrich, for instance, is saying from uh, the Jewish Union Party. Um, but he is wholeheartedly conservative who truly believes in safeguarding Israel's rights on all the lands yeah. uh, from the Jordan to the sea, okay, which were the biblical lands of Israel uh, during the time of King David yes. um, and the latter part of the kingdom of David. Uh, obviously, during the time of King Solomon, the kingdom of uh, bigger, yeah. Israel expanded. Uh, subsequently, with uh, uh, the split of Israel and Judah, things changed, uh, geographically speaking. But ultimately, when we look at the, the big picture, um, there are fundamental issues in the emerging coalition which has to do with Israel's status within the international community. Um, And one place in particular that is worrying is a backlash from the United States. Mm -hmm. And therefore, more important than what happened last Tuesday is what's going to happen on November 8th in a couple of days when uh, the American public 
will go and vote for the midterm elections. Mm -hmm. If um, the liberal left and the woke factions in uh, within the Democratic Party are going to maintain control over Congress and uh, the Senate, we're going to see a deterioration in relations between Israel and the United States. Really? I, I, yes. Unfortunately, I'm saying this, and we're saying this very carefully, of course. Because we keep hearing, you know, the relations with the United States is bipartisan, and it's in the United States' best interest. So you say that the relations will deteriorate? If the relations between the United States and Israel are uh, a two-way street, absolutely. Um, Israel is a uh, major non-NATO ally of the United States, okay? Even though in all public statements by uh, officials in the Democratic Party, you hear them calling us a partner rather than an ally. Mm -hmm. um, you go and, and you, you take another step forward and, and you start to realize, okay, what is the clearest understanding of, of the public in the United States regarding Israel? If in the past the more pragmatic and, and centrist, so to speak, um, members of the Democrat Party were very supportive of Israel, you need to understand that, you know, not all Jews in America support Israel. Yes. So uh, when we look at, at we, we spoke about this last week when uh, Dr. Bardahi was here, obviously, wokeism is taking over. American institutions, it's taking over American perceptions. Reality is not necessarily, uh, the truth of reality is not necessarily the number one ideal anymore. Mm -hmm. And as such, uh, we're waking up to a reality in which alternate perceptions are being showcased as the way society should, you know. Yeah, as the mainstream of society. Indeed, definitely. which it's not. Yeah, it's not. And the silent majority in America needs to get out and make their voice heard. Mm -hmm. Silence is not the answer. Yeah, definitely. you know, we've uh, seen how often in history silence drove extremists into horrendous actions. So we need to step up before it's too late. Yeah, definitely. Europe is faced with challenges. Obviously, in a couple hours, we're going to have uh, the first airing of Europa Stands. Uh, I just returned, obviously, from Helsinki. Mm -hmm. um, blessed to have had also uh, the former Dutch foreign minister, uh, Uri Rosenthal, uh, join uh, yes. the panel. Also, the, the former president of the Czech Republic, yes. President Klaus. Klaus Vaclav is also Vaclav Klaus, yeah, and uh, who is a unique individual, I must add. Mm -hmm. um, both are vocal supporters of Israel, but of course, in that discussion, we focused predominantly on, on European affairs and from a global perspective. It's really, it's really a blessing to see that uh, these world leaders on this scale are coming to, to the program. And I think it's really important to, to share that uh, God is blessing this program with more people wanting to participate. Absolutely. And it's really, you know, a sign Absolutely. that uh, we are doing something meaningful here. Yeah. People want yeah. to be part of it. Europa Stands was uh, a vision that I believe 
that was given to me by God. Um, and ultimately, uh, when, you know, um, we see Dr. Rafael Bardahi, last week we heard some of his input uh, and his understanding of the situation. He is undoubtedly uh, one of the most astute and keen world leaders. He is a leader, by the way, in Spain, mm -hmm. um, from a very, very significant chunk of Spanish society. And he is um, working tirelessly also to safeguard Jerusalem, mm -hmm. to safeguard uh, the identity of the state of Israel as a nation state of the Jewish people. Uh, because he understands the consequences if this takes a turn to the worst. Yeah. Um, Israel signifies something that is being attacked in the West. And therefore, we're seeing an increase of attacks. Um, nevertheless, we look at the situation, of course, uh, throughout Europe. And, and we realize that Europe is in a quite of a pickle, so to speak. But coming back to the Israeli um, scene, as in a couple hours, there'll be plenty of discussion about Europe. Um, we need to understand that what happens in America, what happens in Europe, what happens in Africa, to, albeit to a lesser degree, but still in Africa, and what happens in Australia and in the East impacts the situation in Israel. The perspectives or the perceptions of the way Israel is regarded ultimately contributes either to deterrence vis-a-vis -vis Israel's enemies. Mm -hmm. It contributes to foreign investments, which Israel, you know, being uh, the so-called innovation nation, uh, the, the startup nation, startup is driven by foreign investments. Mm -hmm. If there's no stability and uh, the market takes a hit, why? Because foreign investments are diminishing. Yeah, definitely in a small country like us. Absolutely. And moreover, uh, of course, uh, we are blessed with offshore gas reservoirs, mm -hmm. uh, which enable Israel to secure long term um, stability from the energy market. Yes. Also contribute through the MOU that was signed with the European Union in Egypt to European demand um, by transferring natural gas to Egypt, from which uh, it then transforms it into uh, LNG and then transfers uh, that to the liquid yeah. natural gas via maritime shipping routes into Europe and then contributes once again to European stability from that perspective, uh, either to Greece or elsewhere, depends on um, which hub. Uh, yeah, it creates that. economic cooperation between Correct. Israel, Europe and, and the Arab world. Indeed. Um, nevertheless, uh, you know, we need to keep in mind that the peace of Jerusalem is not not only a physical peace, it's also a spiritual peace, mm -hmm. but also, moreover, it is um, impacted by so many different angles that in order to concretely understand what is necessary to bring about peace in Jerusalem, um, we need to understand a whole variety of issues and then understand, okay, how can I pray for the peace of Jerusalem from my perspective? Mm -hmm. um, either as somebody who for several years lived in the Netherlands, myself, being 
Dutch as well as Israeli. Um, you know, Israel was cornered in the European Union between 2010 to two, uh, 2012. And at the time, Foreign Minister Uri Rosenthal, who joined us in Europa Stands, uh, he made sure that in the context of the European Union, uh, this institution would not act the way it wanted to act, but would act in a more uh, a positive manner to allow Israel to flourish and from a point of strength mm -hmm. translate into peacemaking and normalization accords and so on and so forth, which, uh, you know, there, there are plenty of issues that have to do with that. Uh, one of the things that contributed, the Netherlands had specific systems which it sold to Israel, actually delivered to Israel, um, in order to enable uh, screening in Israel's border crossings that not only elevated Israel's security capacity because it went through a screening process of every luggage that was yes. going through the terminals, but also would then diminish the criticism of um, screening based on racial preferences that was then criticized by woke idealists because they said, no, you need to screen everybody because you can't be only yeah, towards racist. those who look like um, terrorists because the, the prima, you know, mm -hmm. um, Jews would not seek to attack Jews in an airport. Uh, so the m most focus was on Arabs. Uh, was that um, convenient from a humanistic perspective? No. Of course not. Yeah, yeah. It also so, takes more time. So, In order to deal with that issue, at the time, this was brought forward and the Netherlands came out and said, okay, so we're going to provide you with the tools also to enhance your security, but also to enhance uh, the way that you're perceived within the context of airport security and screening and such. Yeah, that's a really practical, you know, solution to a problem. That's the thing. <laughs> there are always practical solutions. Yeah. The question is, are you willing to think outside of the box exactly. in order to bring about those practical solutions and then also contrib uh, contribute mm -hmm. to the peace of Jerusalem? You know, I was among those who sent the letters to the Netherlands calling on them to bring about this practical solution. And I'm sure that Thousands more did so in order to enable such a change. This is the Netherlands, Western Europe, you know. So ultimately, when you think about the issues that Israel are, uh, is facing, the variables that Israel is challenged by, from mm -hmm. all over the world, people can approach their governments, say, look, you can approach Israel on this and this topic. We have those systems. We have this capacity to help. And then we can also contribute to the security, contribute to the economy, contribute to stability and also to the perceived lack of um, norms and values from a humanistic perspective, you know, that is detrimental to Israel's security as well. Definitely. Which ultimately translates into the peace of Jerusalem. So we can be active in bringing about such a change uh, wherever we may be. Mm -hmm. Now, looking into a next stage, when we go into the upcoming government, uh, Netanyahu will have to deal with uh, a few issues. Yes. Rise of terrorism. Terrorism was mitigated 
to a certain degree by Operation Waves Breaker. It was maintained for quite an extensive time in the northern Samaria region where there are pockets of Palestinian Islamic Jihad. We see the so-called lines then, Arin al-Usud, um, one after the other since the leader was killed. Yes. Turning themselves in to the Palestinian Authority. This happened just the last several days. Mm -hmm. There were another group of seven or eight, you know. So we see more and more of those um, so-called organized terrorist organizations. Giving up. Um, For various reasons, the Palestinian Authority is once again reasserting its authority in that area. It is offering the younger uh, operatives who have yet to commit any crime, commit any terrorist acts, um, Mm -hmm. junior positions in order to then keep an eye on them from one hand, but also from the other hand, uh, provide them certain sense of hope and security. Give them an alternative. Indeed. Uh, This is, of course, done in coordination with Israel and Mm -hmm. supported by Israel. Uh, We see that uh, those who are responsible for acts of terror uh, being confined and and, um, arrested. So uh, there is a shift there. Then then what's happening with all these terror attacks that just happened now? So the Islamist Hamas organization uh, is the one driving incitement. Palestinian Islamic Jihad is driving incitement. These two organizations are paid by Iran, substantively, and they don't hide it. They actually thank Iran in every given moment. Mm -hmm. So the Iranians are um, actually in a position facing an uprising in their own country uh, by desperate people who really have enough from this tyrannical regime in Tehran. Uh, This same tyrannical regime is now trying to fuel instability uh, by fomenting uh, deception. I see. On, on multiple levels. Uh, you can see this. I go through um, social media in, in the Arab world at large and, and the Palestinian um, um, social media in particular. It really is amazing how um, well-defined those campaigns are where they're just playing exactly on the cultural frustrations of the young society who then translate that into violence against Israelis, soldiers and civilians alike. Mm -hmm. Um, This, of course, is not only in in a sense from from this uh, perspective of, of acting on violence, but no, this creates an atmosphere a discussion. People mm-hmm. see something on social media, they sit for dinner and they communicate about this. Yeah. You know, and, and then the parents hear it, the people around hear it. We see a lot of this. He will have to deal with, uh, Netanyahu will have to deal with this to mm-hmm. try and stop this from the root. And on the other hand, of course, the Lebanese front, uh, God knows how this is going to turn out, but we'll have to keep that, of course, for next week. Definitely. Well, thank you so much, Jonathan. My pleasure. And thank you for joining us. Keep praying for your leaders. And we'll see you next time for another episode of Editor's Note.
Thank you for joining us in another TV7 Israel podcast. For more content, visit our website at tv7israelnews.com or follow us on social media.